It's that time again. We go beyond the jive. Join our host, John Swan and Natalie B. Brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. All you hive jive junkies out there, this is the hive jive. Hello. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm I'm hanging in there. Um, the the heat wave. We had a heat wave here last week, and so we actually reached 100 degrees, which is apparently wow. the first time that has happened in a decade. <laughs> wow, that's hot for you guys. We were at 105, 106, yeah, sometimes 107, but it's like it's Texas, man. So that's yeah, right. Like that's part happened. for the course for you guys. Um, when they were saying that this was the the hottest week on record in a decade since 2012, I was like, well, dang it. <laughs> like we brought it with us. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you brought it with you guys. <laughs> yeah. And it didn't extend too much farther north of here. So like it didn't really go quite a ways up into Missouri. Now they get it this next week oh, there okay. or this coming week. They get it uh, where they're going to be up there. And unfortunately, we we still are as well. But there was a tiny cold front with giant air quotes um, that came through on Friday night into Saturday and it dropped the temperature by 10 degrees. So we went from hundred to 90, which was doable. And then the humidity actually went from 90 percentile to like 84 and then down to 74. So Saturday and Sunday weren't horrific, which was good. Um, right. I still well, haven't went out and checked the bees though, despite all that, I was just like, no. <laughs> Yeah, well, I tried to get up in the morning and I totally get what you're saying because it gets so hot in your bee suit. And yeah. I just try to get up, you know, usually I get up around 6.45 and I was like, oh, the sun is coming up. I want to be there at the bee yard once the sun is coming up, meaning traveling at dark. Right. Be there when the sun comes up. Wishful thinking. <laughs> Wishful thinking never happens. Yeah. Ended up being there at like 8.30. <laughs> the only time I... Uh, get up and travel anywhere during that time period is if I absolutely have to. So there's got to be an appointment scheduled because if it's just to my leisure, ain't happening. I won't leave the house before eight. <laughs> we do have over 300 uh, something, almost 350 colonies we're managing. So it's just right. kind of, you gotta, you gotta kind of get out there and go and get stuff done. I don't have to do that. I, right? Yeah. <laughs> You get those. Uh, I only two. have two. <laughs> <laughs> and you only have to do that every couple of weeks, right? That's couple right. That's right. I'm going on uh, two and a half weeks at the moment. I really should have checked them this weekend or last Thursday, technically, and just have it, haven't got out there and done that. I also did not get the Natural Beekeeping Corner episode up like I thought I was going to last week. Uh -huh. So, and then, then I was like, all right, so I'll do it yesterday and have it post this morning that didn't happen either so the goal is to try to get it done this evening or tomorrow morning so it can come out on tuesday which will be yesterday for those of you listening to this today on wednesday because you know we, we get that whole same thing as last episode what day yeah. is it <laughs> we don't know it's okay i mean as long as there's one right yeah yeah it, it'll get out there sometime um the goal was to have it out there obviously at the beginning of the month but that was a holiday and then yeah 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 so anyhow, it was the fourth of july it was so. the fourth of july yeah and uh and i was doing i was playing uh contractor construction 
I, instead of construction Bob, I was construction John all week. So that's right. Um, yeah, the progress is good. It's coming along. Uh, we held up on contractors and stuff now. So now it's a, it was a hurry up and wait. So now it's just a waiting game. Everything that we could get done is basically accomplished. So now we just have to wait on all of them. Then they want money. <laughs> oh well, that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, speaking of heat waves, it is stupid hot out there. And we've had a, a few listeners, um, some of which on here and some of which just from the main podcast itself, write in with a couple of different little issues that they have found in their apiaries. And I'm not going to go through and do like verbatim listener questions. We'll just talk high level scenario kind of topics here. Okay, um, but one of the key things to note, though, and something that you and I were just talking about before we started recording is that in the summer dearth, what happens? Contraction. Yeah, that's right. Which means the queen stops laying. And if you're prone to looking for your queen via looking for eggs, you're not going to find any eggs. And you're going to panic. Yeah. And if you're not good at spotting the queen, you are going to panic and you're going to be like, oh my God, my queen's gone. And so beekeeping associations, mentors, us like people get overwhelmed with questions at this time of year people panicking because oh my god my queen is dead what do i do and most of the time she's not she's she's in there she's just taking a break she's relaxing it's too damn hot to do anything she doesn't want to work we don't want to work it's understandable um but it's the ebb and flow of nature and there's no food available so why would you raise more brood to feed when there's Mm -hmm. no more food coming in so that's that's part of the problem you need to stop and take into consideration the time of the year before you have a heart attack on thinking your queen is gone. <laughs> Look, um, colonies of honeybees are not cows or pigs or anything like that. Ooh. They don't need the same level of food every week, every day. And they do go through periods of expansion, periods of a plenty, and periods of um, low amounts of food and low amounts of brood. So uh, that's what really um it's one of the underpinning precepts of beekeeping that we all need to understand Uh, and it's also why we don't recommend under the natural beekeeping corner to feed our bees unless it's absolutely an emergency and they might not make it because they should be following those uh, cycles of weather and forage meaning those cycles of um, uh, nectar flow and dearth and you should see those fluctuation in the population, but also in the amount of brood that you see in the colony, down all the way to no brood whatsoever, no eggs for a couple of weeks, depending on how long the dearth is. And your colonies that are going to be the most successful are going to be the ones that are the best able to tightly follow and preempt those cycles, right? They're going to brood right back up just before we've got some nectar coming back in. And I find that personally throwing food at them on a constant basis prevents them from being in tune with their cycles of the local, you know, plants. So just be mindful of that. That's right. And that break also goes to help with mite control and Mm -hmm. it interrupts the varroa mites life cycle and reproductive cycle. So having no brood for a couple of weeks is actually a big bonus for the bees because mm-hmm. if they are hygienic and they are doing any type of cleanliness behavior, biting of the mites or anything else to try to get rid of them and grooming them off, there's nowhere for the mites to go in and reproduce. So you've got a set number that can mm-hmm. slowly be declining as that process happens, which gives the colony a little bit of a break as well. So that's actually a positive in that same note. Um, 
in addition to this, I did see a little point, you know, can't resist where I can draw an analogy to chickens. <laughs> oh, the chickens. <laughs> so basically it's the same concept when you have chickens and you have laying hens mm -hmm. in the heat of the summer, they are going to take a break and they're going to slow down. So if you were getting, you know, depending on how many chickens you have, if you were getting 90% of your eggs every single day, and then all of a sudden it drops to 50 or to 25%, and it's 110 degrees out there for multiple days in a row, it's hot. They're just laying in the shade, trying to stay cool, digging into the dirt, panting. They got their wings spread out. Like they, they don't want to go lay eggs. It's, it's hot slowing. in that nesting box. Yeah. So they slow down. They take a break. They do the same thing over winter where it's cold and it's not the right time of year. That's nature's biological cycle to go through and say, why would you try to raise a chick when the egg could freeze or the chick could freeze? There's no food out there. There's no fresh greens. There's no bugs. You know, so they have that natural cycle that they go through and do the bees are the exact same way. And you can have that comparison right across the board, because can you make your chickens lay eggs in the winter? And eh, yep, you can. Should you? No, they really need that break. Like they don't need to pop out an egg five days a week just because mm. they can. <laughs> like, right. You know, giving their body that break helps giving your colony that break helps. It gives them time to recoup, gives them time to go through and clean out their own internal systems and workings, get rid of the mites, get rid of this other stuff. So it's actually a bonus and smaller colonies do actually survive better, better than super large colonies. Now, yes, your super large colony makes you more honey, but that smaller colony in a smaller container with less space to guard actually has less issues than a massive colony in a massive container. And that colony starts to shrink. It still has all that space it has to guard. Mm -hmm. So that scenario, that, that whole little space thing, that is, is going to lead me into the first part here. Something has happened to your colony. It is slowly shrinking, mm -hmm. can no longer guard the space. And now you are seeing visible signs of wax moth damage. So what should you do? And we're at this time of the year in the summer, right? Right now, like uh, late. So this one came in, it would have been really early summer calendar wise. So within the last two, three weeks. I would absolutely pull out any resources that are not being utilized and not covered by bees and freeze it for future use or give it to colonies that are trying to expand, but only one at a time. If it's too far gone and you've got too much damage, you might as well put it in the solar wax melter and get rid of it. If you've got actual worms that you're being able to see, you can Eat pull it up, give chickens. it to your chickens. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> People are like, shut up, John, we don't have chickens. <laughs> <laughs> so, but they're really good at picking out the, the larvae out of the comb. And if they don't do too much damage, then you can put it back after freezing it for a little bit so that you kill any eggs of wax moths. Um, you can give it back to your colony that will finish cleaning it up and repairing it as long as it's not too far gone. So how would you determine yourself? Say this is going on. You, you know that there needs to be reduction. How do you make the determining factor of should I reduce this colony or should something else be done with the colony? What would be the first thing you would look for before making that type of decision? You, when you mean something else should be done with that colony, you mean combining it or calling it quits? Is that what you mean? Possibly. So we don't say, say we've just opened up the box. We don't know yet why, but we do see the evidence of the wax moths. What should be the next thing that you think you should look for? 
uh, well, bees and brood and queen and, and queen. just kind of see, you know, if they still have a viable colony. Right. Yeah. Because if you're going through it, the reason I brought that up is because you don't necessarily want to take drastic steps to triage a colony that could be circling the drain and already, quote unquote, dead because it's lost its queen. It's hopelessly queenless. It's gone laying worker, you know, something like that. So first step, obviously, go through and make sure that the colony is still viable to save before you start taking those steps, then absolutely do exactly what you said. Start taking out any of the resources that can be salvaged, that have not been damaged or haven't gotten too much damage to them. Take them out, freeze them, because right. that will kill any of the eggs, both wax moth and hive beetle eggs and larvae. That'll take care of those. And then once you've done that, I, I usually would tell people, if it's in two boxes, if you can, take it down to one box. Mm -hmm. If it's in one box, and it's really not doing well and you're still having problems, take it down to a nuke. Salvage just the frames that have any of the life stages and are healthy and don't have any signs of any of the pests on them and let the colony try to recoup and rebuild. If you need to, reduce the entrance on it. Mm -hmm. Give them ventilation if it's too hot, but you know, reduce that entrance down so it's less space that they have to guard. Less resources have to be focused on the entrance they can then go through and help patrol the rest of the inside of the colony. They can get out any of the little pests that they can find. Things like that can go through and help that scenario. So when would you call it quits? Like if you've okay. tried to do the reduction and you're still not seeing any success. So first I would say my initial advice would be based on if you see wax moths on just like I was thinking top bar horizontal beekeeping anyway in the back of the hive and then you have the bees in the colony that's still thriving as you know in nature the wax moths are the vultures the cleaners of the the beekeeping world and they will the bees would actually um, wall off with propolis parts of a colony in a tree or in a soffit and and let the wax moths have at it and then keep their colony in the non-contaminated area so that's why i was like if you if you you're going to check first you're going to come across those combs and then maybe you're going to have a viable colony and i'm talking horizontal it's a little bit different with vertical uh, but at that point that that informs that decision if you see everything is wax moths it's a it's a clean out Obviously, if there's no queen, I would say it's a clean out for the most part. Uh, it depends also on the population of the hive and how much of the colony is still viable and looking healthy, right? I mean, even if you don't have a queen, but there's a lot of population, there's still some eggs or you can give them some eggs and they can make one. I would just take out what's contaminated and let them be, just give them chances to recover. Um, but if it's all gone, I would scrape it completely, right? Freeze whatever is recoverable after being frozen. I would still leave it in the freezer. The rest I would trash, so wax melter, chickens, whatever. Um, and then if you've got a colony that's um, uh, questionable, you're just going to take out whatever's not good and, and just combine it down, like you said. Uh, I would not necessarily, if it's too small and there's still a queen, I mean, if there's still a queen and they're not contaminated on a few combs, like you said, I would combine it down to a five frame nuke. And what I like to use for that is what I call a winter nuke. It's a two, two inch lumber nuke that we make um, to provide additional insulation. The struggle on a small colony, on small population is maintaining uh, the stasis, the balance in the colony, including the temperature. 
and the humidity levels. And that's much harder to do in a larger box, right? So you want to really, a struggling colony, you want to combine it down. And especially, even if it's got a lot of uh, bees, that's okay. You just pack down the healthy uh, five frame, five bars, 10 bars, depending on the size of your, if it's a Langstroth nuke or if it's a Tabar uh, nuke, you pack down the whatever is healthy of the combs, and then you pack down all the bees in there. So even if it's got a lot of bees and it's packed down, those will recover really well. Every time you have a colony that's struggling, I would actually say, put it in a small five frame nuke or a 10 frame nuke for a top bar and just kind of let them police and maintain smaller, confined, well covered by bees um, uh, scenarios. So that's just kind of I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, no, you're <laughs> I forgot good. The initial it's, just, it's just really um, like high level thinking or going through the different steps. So, right. so that people can kind of stop and think, oh, well, I didn't try that, or maybe I should try this, or this could be the next step. So mm-hmm. I have, I have another scenario or a, another step further into this, but first um, I do want to point out that if you have a colony that does get overran by wax moths. Mm-hmm. The wax moths will chew into the soft pine wood of the standard boxes that are sold from the beekeeping supply companies. Yes. They're going to leave little tunnels in there. Um, they can chew through the edges of the frames. They can do all kinds of crazy stuff like that. They chew down in there. They spin a chrysalis, the little silk cocoon. They pupate. They turn into a moth. They they crawl out and they fly away. So they do not lay eggs down in those holes. The eggs are laid out on the comb and in other little spots. So if you do have a colony like that, you take out your frames, you scrape off everything that you can. If you are lucky enough to have chickens, feed the chickens. They will love it. And they are very strategic. They can get their beak right inside that cell and pluck out a worm and not damage the cell, especially considering the worms are already tearing the hell out of everything anyway. Right. They can actually salvage and strategically take things out of their very surgical surgical precision, basically, with that little beak. Um, but they'll help you clean stuff up. You can also take the hive body itself, turn it up on its edge so that you're looking straight through it. And you could take your hive tool while the chickens are there and start scratching through it. And they will grab them as you're popping them out. If you don't have chickens, just scrape them off the hive tool anyway. That'll take care of it. You'll chop them up as you're basically popping off the little cocoons. They'll also make them on the sidewalls. They'll glue frames together. It depends on how long that colony has sat there before Mm -hmm. you found the problem. Like if the colony died a month ago and you didn't know it and you're coming back 30 days later, it's going to be a giant cocoon (laughs) and everything's going to be fused together. All the wax is going to be gone and it's going to be spider webs and worm poop, basically silkworms. So some that were so far gone that all that was left was at the bottom of the Langstroth hive, just press, just poop. Yeah, and piles the of it. were all empty because it was uh, foundationless and there was just nothing to just yep. frass at the bottom. And and at that point, you know that there must have been a die out in the wax moss where there. You might they, see some um, the, of those divots in the wood where the cocoons correct. were. Yeah. Now, the reason that I bring that up is because do not take all of your hive boxes and throw them into a bonfire because that's no. just a waste of money on yourself and it is absolutely pointless. Burning your hive boxes because of hive beetles or wax moths is it's useless. It's not going to help anything. <laughs> most anything, I would argue, even with AFB. I mean, there's ways to disinfect your boxes. So, I mean, yeah, you, a, you can do some reason. disinfecting. Yeah. But that that type of infestation is not caused by the woodenware. And it's mm-hmm. not going to resurge if you use that woodenware after you've scraped everything out of there. So don't don't destroy your hive boxes. The only time I've ever done that is is if they were stru- like structurally 
damaged to the point where they were weak, they were falling apart, holes went all the way through, things like that. Sure, scrap that box, but don't don't burn it just to burn it because you think that you know there's some evil thing going on. That's it's not how that works. Um, so save yourself the time, heartache, and money on that little note. That's right. Um, so and just know that when you have a really bad infestation and they eat through your Langstroth walls, between that and the handles that are caving into the wood, you're losing a lot of insulation as well, which was never good to start with. That's true. It was already thin to begin with. They they just used three quarter inch in there. One inch, but by the time it's compressed, it's not. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so you've gone through, you've checked, you, let's say you didn't have a queen, and so you gave them another frame, they did not make a new queen, you still can't see that there's a queen in there, you don't know what's going on, they're still continuing to shrink. At what point would you and or should you possibly combine that colony with one that is healthy? Well, right now, because it's a dearth and we know that it's going to get really hot, it's going to be that much harder for them to make any queen. I've already tried to give them a queen. I'm just, and especially if the population is already contracted down, who knows how long that queen's been gone. Um, I would I would just kind of get rid of the wax moth stuff and shake the bees into another one. Or if the food's still, you know, needed for other colony, I would spread them between several colonies. Now, the that's, that's, that's what I would do too. The only little cautionary note there would be doing enough strategic investigating to, to have a decent idea as to what might have caused the problem. Mm -hmm. Did they lose the queen and they just didn't make one? That makes sense. Everything else is fine. But if there's signs or evidence of poisoning a mass die off, oh, yeah, things no. like that, mm -hmm. don't combine those bees and don't give those resources over because if, if something got in there and contaminated it, that's a different story. Now I did talk to a listener where there were some bees out on the ground in front of the colony. She was worried and she was like, how many dead bees in front of my colony is normal? Well, if you think about it, a hundred to a thousand bees can be dying a day this time of year. So having dead bees scattered evenly around is or randomly, I guess you should say around is not really that big of a deal. But when it looks like, think about those those jack-o'-lanterns at Halloween that they carve and they pull all the guts out and they they leave it like it vomited in front of it. If you see that where it's a mass exodus in a like an actual trajectory from the front of the hive and they're in piles, not just one or two here or there, piles upon piles of bees that have just been vomited out of this colony, mm -hmm. that is a good sign that something has actually contaminated it potentially poisoned them could have been something from crops or sprays or anything like that. They got brought in. They could have accidentally brought in contaminated something sweet, quote unquote, that was contaminated and it could have mixed in with the stuff. So if you do think that there's any signs of actual disease, not, not pests, but actual disease and any signs of potential poisoning, then don't combine them. But otherwise, if everything else looks healthy, if the queen is is there or not there, and that may be what the problem is, is that she's not there, then yes, you could go ahead and salvage the resources by dividing them to colonies that may need it and taking those bees and combining them with a colony that may need a little bit of extra help itself. Mm -hmm. No, and um, that's totally true. You never want to put in um, contaminated anything, whether it's virus or pesticides. You can have a lot of bees dead in front of your hive sometimes, when it's been robbed and you have a large colony. There might have been a lot of fighting, a lot of dead bees ended up on the ground. 
that's the other option for a lot of dead bees in front of your hive. So you kind of need to learn how to really assess what's been going on. Um, calling that still looking like it's it's um, maybe lower in population and maybe lower in food, but still acting normally otherwise, chances are there's not much going on as far as pesticides are concerned. Uh, you still want to take a look um, just in case for diseases, but usually diseases cause uh, doesn't don't cause like a large die off in front of your hive. So just keep that in mind. One last possible solution would be if you've got a colony that is super strong and you've got another colony that seems to be struggling and is having some of these issues, but it is still queen, right? And she is still laying and, and there doesn't seem to be anything obvious. You could also potentially flip flop those hive locations Mm -hmm. Give the colony that is weak all those extra foragers and all that extra incoming food and give the colony that's strong a new location just by literally flip-flopping their, their spots. That strong colony is not really going to be hurt. They are already pretty big and robust and strong, and they're still going to have plenty of foragers. The other colony is going to then benefit from those foragers too. So it's kind of like when you do a split or you're trying to balance out and even out. You can do that if it looks like everything is okay. They just need a little help. But mm -hmm. if they're queenless that's not going to solve everything. So you got to make sure that you've done that initial investigation to try to figure out why potentially your colony may be shrinking. <laughs> and what I do a lot um, of is in doubt when I'm not sure, just in case I'll give them a little bit of eggs uh, as an insurance and potentially with some extra brood open and, and capped and they'll buy them some time too, right? They will either make a queen if they have enough bees, if not, or that doesn't work out, they'll still have new generation of bees coming in to kind of like keep them alive until you come back for the next visit and try this again, potentially. But you don't want to drag, <laughs> I just realized what you're doing. Uh, you don't want to drag it along and, and if it looks like it's, um, um, not worth it. I will admit, I will try to rescue colonies that are really small sometimes. Um, it's just kind of a um, catch 22. If you have large colonies that can provide a lot of resources and we like to do what we call mixed origin, either with splits or, or equaliz equalizing like this. We take mixed, uh, we take one come from that large colony, one come from that large colony, and we kind of like really all of a sudden boosted that small colony by that much. You don't want to take all the resources. Let's say you have a, a two double deep colony and a, and a five frame struggling nuke. You don't want to take half of that double deep and give it to the five frame nuke, right? You just want to take, if you have, you know, one or two come from that large colony, one or two come from another one, and you just start building that one up. And that's equalizing and you don't tax your, your larger colonies uh, that much. It's, in the grand scheme of things, you're always taxing them when you remove resources, whether it's bees uh, or food, but mostly when you remove bees, you tax them more than if you remove food. Yeah. Now, one other little thing on here too, if you, like we talked about at the very beginning, if you are in a panic because you've got a colony that you can't find the queen and you don't see signs of eggs, one thing to keep in mind is did you see signs of it swarming? Now we're getting a little bit late in the year for that to be the case, but mm -hmm. you've got some oddball colonies out there that will do weird things at weird times. But earlier in the spring or late spring, early summer, 
if you have a colony that you saw queen cells or you think that they swarmed or you know that they swarmed and now it's been three weeks later and mm-hmm. you're panicking maybe you shouldn't panic just yet because if you go through and you do the math and we, we tell you oh five days here and five days there and five days here it sounds like it should be pretty straightforward but there could be inclement weather type things that cause issues there could be other stuff that happens she may take 20 days she may take 30 days before she mm-hmm. starts laying so one of the things that you can do is exactly what you mentioned earlier give them a frame of open eggs and small larvae if you can find one from another colony give them one frame from that before you have any knee-jerk reactions and do anything else you've mm-hmm. looked at the colony you couldn't obviously spot the queen and you don't see eggs and you think maybe they didn't raise one or, or she didn't make it back give them that frame of eggs because if she's in there they are going to ignore it and raise them as their own normal brood. Right, exactly. If she's not there, they will make an emergency queen cell. And that'll answer your question. 48 hours later, you will have a definitive answer. That's right. Nope, something was wrong and now they're fixing it or everything was fine and they're just carrying on as normal. And, and I would say that's why I really like foundation less, whether it's Langstroth or top bars, because you could have a, a frame or a bar with just a little bit, just a lobe of fresh comb and eggs. And that's the easiest for them to make a queen out of, as opposed to old comb on foundation that's been there, you know, plus you're giving them the entire frame when you're pulling that out if you've got foundationless you're only giving taxing that colony that's donating those eggs only so much right and then what i like to do is if there's an e-comb that's extra that's too much remember in that weaker colony uh, especially worker drone worker comb that's still fresh enough i like to thank the colony that's donating the eggs by giving them a frame or a bar of uh, fresh worker comb uh, that's going to prevent the smaller colony to from having to defend it and that's going to give them the opportunity to lay more eggs and more generations that can by the way uh help next week when you check again right that's true and when you're going through and you're doing this and you're trying to decide what to take from who and, and everything if you're looking at your smaller colony and there is no food in there anywhere mm-hmm the smaller colonies have a harder time bringing in mass quantities of resources a bigger colony has more foragers they can Mm -hmm. bring in more resources so part of the problem for that scenario could be that that colony needs help with food and Mm -hmm. with more food they can then produce more bees and they can start to rebound so maybe that's the scenario or you look at it and they've got plenty of food and they can't guard the space and they're shrinking well, then mm-hmm. food's obviously not the problem. So, you know, yeah. you, you can kind of get a little bit of hint here and there by observing what's in your comb. Right. Is there open nectar? Is there capped food? Is everything dry and barren? You know, those are some scenarios that you can also use to help triage and troubleshoot when you go through and look at it. Right. And and, and to your point, very critically, if it is a small population, small few, uh, a few bees, they're not going to be able to make a queen. Even if you give them 10 combs of honey, which in which case they'll be exposed to robbing. Right. So <laughs> they can't really guard it. Don't, don't give them too much at a time. And if you're going to give them uh, brood, make sure to leave some of the bees on there. Depending on the size, you have to kind of adjust to what you're looking at. You don't want to overwhelm them completely. It's better to come back every week and give them a little bit more. In that case, uh, if they're big enough, they can take it. Yeah, give them, you know, with the bees, but just kind of um, it's it's a matter of judging how big the colony that you're helping is and how many bees are in there. The food um, follows as well, but critically, they will not be able to uh, adequately rear a queen without 
nectar and enough nurse bees. Yep. You have to have lots of everything to make it all work right. Mm. So, well, yeah. so I think with those that all that little twisting and turning in, in different scenarios, we've actually kind of touched on a lot of the the types of questions that were coming up. Am I truly in trouble? Am I really queenless? Should I combine this colony? Um, we didn't talk about specifically how to combine them, but that kind of also depends on the scenario. If it's queenless, because you got to make sure there's no queen there before you try to combine mm -hmm. it with another colony that has a queen or you could cause problems. Um, and you can't necessarily guarantee which of those queens is going to win. You might think, oh, this big, robust colony, you know, it's obviously stronger. They'll take care of that. But not necessarily. She may usurp your good queen that you really liked, and then you're stuck with, you know, the poor queen. So make sure that there is no queen there. If there is a queen there and it's clearly not doing well and you were already thinking, well, maybe I should requeen them and you decide you want to, like, combine them instead – remove that queen from the scenario. You can do the newspaper combination type scenario where if you're doing a Langstroth, put down that layer of newspaper, poke just a few tiny little slits in it. You don't want to make holes big enough for them to get through just enough. The air can kind of start to pass through. They'll start chewing at those edges and they'll open it up in their own time. Put that other box on top. Don't give them any entry or exit so that they can escape. They have to go through the newspaper. It'll allow them to mix the pheromones and the smells of the colonies and be accepted in there. Once they are, if that extra box isn't needed, take it off. You know, you're just, you're just using it as a vehicle to actually transmit the bees, tra transmit, <laughs> to transfer the bees into the other colony. So that's one way you can do it. If there's not a lot of bees at all, you could just go ahead and, and if you're combining them, you can do that every other frame type scenario, because if you mix it up enough, it, confuses all the smells and the odors it's kind of like doing the split like the three to two split type thing where one frame from this colony and one frame from this colony and one frame from that colony everybody smells different every frame smells different so you don't really end up with the fighting that you would get otherwise but that is uh i think that really covers it the worms the wax yeah. moths what to do with it is it shrinking why is it shrinking what do i do with the the contamination aspects of it um the, i think the last little thing in there would be can I eat the honey? So I've got a colony that was shrinking. They've got yeah. a lot of capped food sources in there. Can I extract some of that for myself? You know, obviously we talked about the first part of that. If there's other colonies in need, right. really distribute those food sources. Yeah. Equalize everything out. And then if there's some left over and it's for you and it hasn't been, you know, fouled up by That's the out. critters, <laughs> then yeah, go ahead and, and you can extract that out for yourself. I would say, Take it and freeze it for 48 hours first, regardless, because then if there are any eggs or little small larvae that you didn't see, that'll get rid of those. Let it come back to room temperature. Then you can do your preferred extraction method, be it uncap it, spin it, crush it, strain it, scrape it, whatever. And then you can utilize that honey for yourself. But again, if there was any sign whatsoever that there could have been some sort of contamination and that may be what killed well, the colony. Especially don't touch yes, it. Then don't touch it. Destroy it. Get rid of it. Consider it biohazard waste material at that point. And uh, it's just, it's a shame. It's a loss, but get rid of it. Um, but by the way, the, uh, if you're going to extract right away, I don't freeze. I'm, I know that the critters or whatever is going to get filtered out and they don't, or don't survive into the honey anyway. 
right? So I, I freeze when I'm not going to be able to extract right away or freeze company because that's not going to get extracted at all. And I want to kill those uh, eggs and, and larvae if there are any in there. Um, and usually at, once you've got it boxed up, it should be fine after that. But the other thing I wanted to mention is that you don't always need a newspaper to combine. It depends a little bit on the size and how you're able to alternate the frames. Um, if, um, I mean, we, we never use, we, we work mostly tabba hives. We never use the combine with a newspaper. And we do combine sometimes colonies. Uh, we definitely equalize, giving them some bees. And we haven't found any issues with them fighting in any way but then again you know there's a little confusion introduced and it's all horizontal and it's just kind of in doubt if you have very few bees and they just need to be reassigned you can shake them also in front of another colony and, and um, the ones that are um, accepted will be contributing to the colony and or if they're laying workers and it's a large colony, they will put them back in shape and just kind of tell them no more of that. <laughs> but um, I will I will take a bar uh, of the top of hive and I will tap it vertically so the bar stays vertical and I tap it like um, as, uh, just kind of quick, not too strong. You don't want to break the comb, especially if they're sunny, you don't want to do that too much. Um, but then the bees will just climb over and, and do their thing and they usually get accepted um, very quickly, especially there's a lot of them that are being shaken in front of the hive and or if they're bringing back food, they'll be readily accepted. So. so one of the bonuses to the horizontal, be it a top bar or a long laying, is if it's the first year you've done that colony and it's not more than likely it hasn't taken up the entire cavity of that space yet, there's always room in there. Oh so if gosh. you've got two or three Magic. little nukes, you can, you can like, what you do is you create a colony. And that's what I used to do in the winter. Whenever I would go through and do my combinations at the end of the year, if I have three small top bar nukes mm -hmm. or even three small Langstroth nukes, but I've got a long Lang, you can do this either way. I take all three of them and I combine them into one colony to overwinter. Yep. And it's literally every other bar or every other frame. Yes from each of those three colonies. So colony one, colony two, colony three, and then repeat one, two, three, one, two, three. Try to keep like to like. So you don't want to go brood, food, brood, food. You want to make sure that you make a brood nest. Right. Yeah. You you keep that all together. So take there's three frames or bars in this one that have brood and same with this and same with this. You're going to alternate them and make a nine frame brood nest by taking the three from each of those colonies and putting them together. Then all of your food stores follow suit along after the fact. So you still keep that same layout and pattern that the colony would have had naturally. You're just mm -hmm. expanding it and making it larger. And now you've got them all mixed up, nice and confused in one big colony. And that works really well. One caveat, you don't want to give them too much um, to for food and brood because you've got like those three colonies and all of a sudden you're making it in the mega colony that might not have enough bees to maintain, it might be too big. So don't hesitate to pull out. It's better to pull out resources and have a lot of bees on that comb uh, than having too much comb and not enough bees to protect it. Yeah, if the comb's not being utilized, don't put it in there. Uh, but in that, yeah, yeah, in that scenario that I was just talking about though, those were, they were healthy colonies. They just were small nukes and it was winter time. So it was like, hey, I know that one big colony with a lot of bees to keep you warm, 
going to do better than three little guys with not as many bees to keep you warm. <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's always different little caveats and scenarios to it, but hopefully this information will give you a little bit of food for thought to go through and a lot of different avenues to think about. If this, then that kind of scenario where you can go through and check out your colony and try to troubleshoot it, try to salvage it if you can, triage it. And if you can't, you can possibly save those bees and help contribute to another colony or save those resources and contribute to other colonies. And, uh, you know, worst case scenario, save those resources for future use down the road or the honey for yourself if they're, if everybody else is looking good. And, you know, then you just, you move forward and the next season is another clean slate start where you can mm -hmm. make splits and do divides and, and start over and grow and you've got the open equipment to use. It's like playing chess, but know your bee biology and have more colonies in one yard than um, just one or two, because then it allows you to play that sidle phone of moving uh, bars and um, bees around. That's true. The more resources you have, AKA the more colonies you have, not saying that you need to go get a lot of colonies, but it does <laughs> tend to happen. <laughs> but the easier all that, that becomes, if you've only got one colony, you're kind of SOL. If you've right. got two colonies, you got a little bit of something you can do. If you got three colonies, you're probably fine because then you can really balance things out and make it to where everything is kind of mm -hmm. homogenized. <laughs> so, I think people should start with four at least personally. You're also a hoarder. So a bee hoarder specifically, I'm you are addicted. a bee hoarder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm addicted for sure. No, but I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's like an aquarium. The more volume you have, the more imbalanced your apiary, in this case, your aquarium is going to be. You're yeah, going to be able yeah. to level things out. It's right over there behind That's the right. screen. <laughs> Big old saltwater aquarium. The more water you have to flow through that sucker, the better it can disseminate any toxic toxicity that might be in the water, any chemicals or makeups or things that get a little bit out of balance. If you got a teeny tiny one, one little thing can throw it It'll off. All in space. Yeah. yeah. So if you have just one tiny little colony, having a few extras may help out so that you've got that. And it's also at the end of the day, if you lose one, but you had three, you still have two thirds you and up. you're not as crushed and devastated. Right. Exactly. And you can yeah. make it up in the spring. That's right. You can always make it up later. So there you go, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this little beekeepers chat and uh, you got a little bit of information from it. We definitely enjoy talking to you as always. And we look forward to talking to you next week, but until then be good. And be mindful. Bye-bye <laughs> everybody. Bye guys. This Hive Jive production was made possible by amazing patrons like you, and we appreciate your support. To all our Hive Jive junkies out there, you truly are a bee's knees.